Welcome to the People Powered Business Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Lee Billet. If you employ staff, engage contractors, or rely on people to help deliver your products or services, you're in the right place. Join us each week as we dive in to uncover what makes people tick, learn the best strategies and tactics to build an amazing team, and most importantly, discover how you, the business owner or leader, can unleash the power of your people to help create the successful business you deserve. Let's get started. Hey there, Christy Lee here. Welcome to episode 142 of the People Powered Business Podcast and welcome back to part two of our two-part conversation with Nikki Richman, Diversity and Inclusion Consultant. Now, if you haven't yet caught episode 141, which is last week's episode, don't panic. You can listen to the two conversations quite separately. Um, but just to reintroduce you to what we're talking about, last week um, I introduced Nikki Richman from Audia, who is a diversity and inclusion consultant and she specializes in supporting neurodivergent leaders and individuals in the workplace. So this is a two-part discussion that we've been having with Nikki around neurodiversity and neurodivergence on your team. Now, this was part of a connection conversation, which was a series of conversations that I held during November 2022, which was Small Business Month in New South Wales and as a way to celebrate their theme of Connect for success. I connected with a range of experts in all different aspects of um, skills that we could use to connect with our team to help drive business success. And Nikki was one of the people I was fortunate enough to spend some time with where she shared her expertise on this topic. So we talked last week about defining really what neurodiversity Really, one day I won't stumble over these words, but what we defined last week, what neurodiversity and neurodivergence are, and Nikki shared a really simple, actually, distinction between the two. And in last week's episode, we focused on our own neurodivergence or neurodiversity as leaders and how we can better understand that and also harness that to help drive business success. And this week, in today's episode, we are looking at identifying managing and leveraging neurodiversity within our team. Now, this could show up in a whole different number of ways. Some of our team members may come to us and disclose that they have a diagnosis, uh, which does sort of fall into the realm, and we discussed last week how, how big this umbrella actually is, that fall into the realm of neurodiversity and maybe not necessarily seeking support for that, but just uh, seeking to share that with us so that we have an understanding. Um, and I encourage you, if a team member does come to you with that information, be ready to listen because they are giving you this information, which is actually going to help you lead and manage them. It's going to help you better understand how they work best. It's also going to help you be in a position to put them in a place where they're going to succeed as best in business and it's going to help your business overall. So it can be a really, you know, for some individuals that is a daunting prospect to actually disclose a diagnosis to an employer. So be ready to listen and be open to the fact that this is a solutions focused conversation you're about to have with them. But how I see this play out probably more often is employees who just aren't performing at the level we expect, particularly, I see this around particular issues with following processes and instructions and things just not seeming to click with them, despite that same process or instruction being given to other people and it's not been an issue. And I shared an experience of, of a business that I worked with that they identified there was um, just a gap in how this person was learning work 
And all it took was to move it from words into pictures for them to become brilliant. And very often we see patterns or trends or things that we just see are a little different, but we don't change our style or we don't change our approach with how we're leading this person. And also very often they don't have a diagnosis. They haven't seen a doctor about this. They don't think there's an issue and there's not an issue. They're just processing information differently. And our role as leaders and managers is to help identify that and create different frameworks, create a work environment where everyone can do their best work. And that's what we talk about in today's discussion with Nikki. So I'll stop babbling on. Let's jump into the chat with Nikki and hear what she has to say. Let's, I guess, switch tack now to talk about possible neurodivergence on our team because in my experience, some of the businesses I've worked with, um, they have someone who is neurodivergent on their team who doesn't have a diagnosis or not one that they have shared with them. And I see it present as performance management struggles, as unable to follow instructions or directions, frustration over repeating things, sometimes having tried multiple different ways, which is great. And then we'll look at it and, and we'll find that there's a there's a pathway forward here. And once we uncover it, they've got the best employee on their hands the world has ever seen and they're so wrapped. But they were so busy trying to get them to follow the same instructions everyone else has been following yeah. and hadn't thought more openly that it's caused a whole lot of pain and stress for everyone along yes. the way. Do you see that show up a lot where there is definitely some neurodivergence but it's not necessarily discussed or diagnosed and there's a lack of understanding about how to find an alternate path to the ideal end outcome? Absolutely. And I'm a big sigh. (laughs) (laughs) I've I've seen it played out um, when I've been an internal HR um, Mm. partner. I've seen it played out before I recognised what neurodivergence was. Yeah. Uh, but I've known that if only this person was communicated with in the way they needed to, if only the manager had adapted. I could see how the manager could have adapted their style, but they were very set in their way of doing things. And the, one of the challenges for for neurodivergent, many neurodivergent people is we we are so we want social justice. Everything needs to be ethical and fair. So mm. it's really hard to see performance management playing out when it really shouldn't be the case. Mm. Um, I presented to a team of HR professionals a few months ago, and we asked for a, a raise of hands in the room. You know, now that they know what they know about neurodiversity, who believes that they had performance managed somebody out of the business who was neurodivergent who could have, if things were changed a bit, have actually been retained within the business. Probably about three quarters of the hands went up. So, That's hard. Yeah, I, I find that really hard to see and to mm. hear about. And there's a lot of trauma that comes from that as well. So yep. we do see traumatised neurodivergent people who, who some end up dropping out of the employment market because of the trauma associated with being misunderstood, mismanaged. Mm. Um, and we lose amazing talent and yeah. we don't open ourselves to a wider talent pool. Did yeah. I and that's a challenge. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 no, I think, yeah, no, absolutely. I think that is the challenge that we see is that 
um, if these people become, you know, traumatised, despondent, you know, fearful even of entering the workforce because of experiences that they've had, we, we are missing good talent. And we've got to remember the market we are in right now yeah. is talent short. Yeah. So, you know, I was talking recently about um, the body shops, uh, and they're not the only one, but current sort of process of open hiring where they're not reading resumes, they're not uh, doing standard interviews, and there's a number of companies trialling things like this so that everyone is given an opportunity without referencing their history, what they've done before, their reference checks, um, and giving everyone a sort of open opportunity. And I, I think having much more open-minded approaches to our recruitment will ensure that we're not missing great talent. Um, but we do then have to have the systems, obviously, in place to support everyone um, as well. So if we've got someone on our team and we are feeling like there might be a neurodivergent issue, um, challenge of some sort, but they haven't come to us with any kind of diagnosis, they haven't disclosed anything, what should we as leaders and managers do in this situation? Is it just about having a conversation with them or what's the appropriate process or protocol? So, yeah, absolutely. If they haven't disclosed anything, then um, then we can't really go and say, hey, you're looking like you <laughs> We think. <laughs> yeah. um, so, so we can't do that, although having said that, I did do that to my business partner. <laughs> I think that's a different story. I think yeah. you're allowed to do that. <laughs> um, and, but, so it starts again with self-awareness and awareness of how we work so that we can have an open conversation using ourselves as an example. Mm-hmm. So I, I notice that this is how I work best. I need, um, if somebody asks me to do something, I need them to put it in a dot point form. Um, you know, so, so having that kind of open conversation and, then, you know, the, the feedback model that we use, it's it's very much I've noticed. I've noticed mm. that this seems to happen. So it's, it's not emotional. Um, mm. But starting that open conversation, having systems set up already. So, you know, in a, in a business that's got a number of ways to communicate or a number of ways to set jobs, you, you know, if you've noticed that the person is not... Um, planning their tasks and not achieving outcomes or not achieving the right outcomes, then it's a conversation. Are you, uh, is the manager verbally giving all that information and mm. expecting it and hearing the person say, yes, I understand, when <laughs> many when they're not retaining say, it. I understand, yeah. So if if the manager notices that, then it's trialling a few things too, isn't it? It's It's dropping an email saying, as we discussed, and dot point, like very straightforward, simple, um, because the way many neurodivergent people communicate, particularly autistic people, is we don't read between the lines. We don't Mm. like guesswork. Um, You know, working in a place where people are so mindful of, of other people's feelings that they never actually come to the point and tell you what they need or want that is that is so hard for somebody who communicates in a very straightforward way. Um, it, that causes real issues in the workplace. So, so that's the first step. Yeah. Um, and I think it's about having conversations that are what I call curious conversations. Yeah. So going into these conversations, asking really good, open-ended questions, being genuinely curious about the answers 
without and then being willing and then being willing to keep going down that that, down that path and keep pointing out more and more and more because if you go into that conversation or that meeting thinking you know the outcome thinking you know the answer or even putting your thoughts on the table you're not going to get the full picture you're not going to get honesty and sometimes it will take more than one conversation because you've got to build that trust that they can talk to you and explain things and you will listen and you will just just listen and then work on it together rather than uh, judging or responding necessarily and sometimes people um mightn't have sufficient self-awareness to know what they do need yeah. So if you go down this track and you still don't find, you know, that's when external people, you know, you or mm. me, but people like us, we can come in and have that external observing. Um, but also uh, I, I've been called a, a bit of a translator sometimes because yeah. being able to see what that person's experience is and see, offer some other suggestions, but also see see strengths. Yes. So sometimes it's, it's quite hard for a person who might be traumatised from experiences at work to even remember what their strengths are. Mm. Um, so starting with strengths is, is a way to have those conversations without it feeling like, oh, I'm in trouble. Yes, and because it builds their confidence too, and this is the same for every single employee, that if they're going home at the end of the day feeling despondent, like they haven't done a good job, like they're failing at work, that that's the cycle that they get into and and you've got to rebuild confidence for them to be able to feel like they are contributing and and that's going to open everything up and i liked your point earlier about the fact that clear and concise communication i'm a big fan of that generally but it's um it's like brene brown says clear is kind unclear is unkind and i think as business owners and entrepreneurs and leaders sometimes we do fall into the trap of not being clear because we either don't want to be bossy or we don't want to um, seem like we're not flexible or um, that people don't have control over their work. But actually what happens is our team get confused and they don't know what's expected of them. And so if you layer into that also some neurodivergence, then I imagine that must be, you know, very stressful. And sometimes people will manage from how they like to work Yes. So yeah, that's true. I like big picture and I like to be able to plan my own project and have flexible, you know, give me a really solid goal and I'll meet it in my own way, but I'll meet it or exceed it. Mm-hmm. Um, don't tell me how to do it, and you know, to be within reason. <laughs> yeah. But there are other there are other people who don't work well like that. They actually yeah. need structure, they need routine, they need methodical systems to follow. Mm-hmm. And if you can provide that, then those people are going to be your quality control, your compliance people. Um, so it's it's recognising that each type of role in the business is going to attract a different type of person mm-hmm. and they will most like, well, they will need different ways of of receiving work, of, of being motivated, of achieving outcomes. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think... Um, being really open to the fact that just because you've done things one way until now, that might not be the best way moving forward. So, like I know a lot of businesses will say, here's the policies and procedures manual or here's the, you know, the process for that. If that's a written format, 
for one person, perfect. They can follow that step by step and it'll work beautifully. For another person, that is just a lot of words on a page and that's going to be just hard work. And so having these multi-layered processes, is yeah. val- it's a valuable business resource anyway. You know, I will yes. often say absolutely have it documented. Also have a Loom video showing someone how to do that process. I was about to say Loom is brilliant for that. Brilliant, yes. Yeah, yeah. and I love watching um, I will, if I'm learning something new, I will often rewatch a video over and over again because I want to experience it as I go. That's my personal preference. And maybe reading instructions for that thing, particularly if it's something that's visual for me, then yes. I'm going to want to follow that process. And I remember working with a, a team years back in hospitality, actually, and they were awesome managers and leaders. And they had a team member who the quality of work he was producing was brilliant, but they couldn't leave him because he couldn't follow the step-by-steps to get the plate to where they needed it to be. And they were brilliant and they were trying all different things and just got to a stuck point. And ultimately it was the words for this particular individual. Once we put everything individual into pictures, brilliant, unlocked, could follow yeah. the process. And it was they were very aware enough to say, we know that there's a gap, we can't quite figure it out and they were trying lots of different things. But as soon as it was pictures on a page, done, no dramas. That's brilliant, yeah. And not hard to do, not at all yeah. hard to do. Yeah. And you so, find somebody who loves doing that and it'll be done really quickly. Yeah, that's true as well. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so having that toolkit of whatever your processes and procedures are in all different formats will ensure that no matter who comes into a role too, they will likely have the information in a way that is meaningful and helpful for them. Yes. And yeah. as you said, you know, it, for the business to be sold down the track, having having all of this in all these ways makes the business even more valuable because That's you're true. selling an inclusive business. Yes, absolutely. So much more valuable. So when we've got someone who is, I guess, a neurodivergent on our team, whether diagnosed or, or not, how do we make sure um, that we can leverage them and get the best out of their strengths because often their strengths are like next level, like they're they're really brilliant (laughs) at certain things. How do we tap into that? What's the best thing to do? Well, we seem to have a bit of a theme because it's about listening (laughs) and and learning learning what they do best. But but how, you know, so uh, I, for example, me, I love... I love peopling. I love people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I enjoy going to a workshop, but if but I can't do that five days in a row. Mm. Um, so how does that exactly as before? How does a person work best if they come in the office? Is that for their when they need to people? Mm-hmm. Can they when it's a work that can be done from home? That flexibility to work from home, you might find. Um, that's where they will get all the quality, the focus work done. Whereas if they stayed in the office, the noise for some people can be disabling. Yes. Um, So, or even having noise cancelling headphones, but all the distractions of people around, um, people butting in while you're trying to work. I know Mm -hmm. transitions for me are very hard. So that task switching, um, Mm -hmm. when you're in the workplace, you're constantly being interrupted, especially if you've got an ADHD boss. Um, (laughs) That's challenging. <laughs> so if it's possible, focus work, you know, an agreement and understanding that that happens at home, whether it happens from the person's bed, if they if they are cognitively there but they, their body needs a break, you know, 
how can they do their best work? Um, that's what we need to know and mm. and make it happen for them. Um, do they not speak up in meetings? Do they need to have time to process what's happened in the meeting and then be able to talk to you about it afterwards or send some notes? Um, having information up front, so no surprises. Mm. So, so all the things that you can build into how the business does work. Um, one of my one of my clients is a neurodivergent business owner who I was very fortunate to come in at the beginning of the growth of her team. So the way the way we've grown the the culture is things that other people might call reasonable accommodations that are provided if you request it. Um, this is just built in. So mm. uh, because all the employees are neurodivergent. <laughs> and, yes. Um, so everyone has chosen, has said how many hours they work best a week. Mm-hmm. Um, so full-time, I see so many jobs advertised at full-time, which cuts out so many people, yeah. whether they've got carer's responsibility for neurodivergent children or um, whether they've got their own energy levels that they can't work five days a week. Yeah. Um, but so they, this, this team chooses the number of hours they work. They choose the times that they work all the systems are set up for remote working. Everyone works from home. Um, all the meetings have um, trans transcripts provided, uh, agenda up front. The, there's a, a community thread where everybody just be, is real. They can mm-hmm. joke and talk about their life. And it's the most beautiful culture where everybody is encouraged to show up as themselves. And that starts with the leader who, you know, might share share videos of a messy house that day or <laughs> um, that's great yeah it's 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 just everybody is so confident in their identity mm-hmm. and in their strengths that they have cho- they they have communicated what they need how they need and uh it just they're they're loving it yeah, and it, I imagine it's a super successful business as well because yeah. of that level of yeah. just, you know, that's, it's back to that psychological safety we were talking about earlier that would really exist there. Yeah, um, and the innovation that's come from that, because people are using their yeah. strengths, there's actually things that are coming into this business that hadn't been part of the strategy but adding to the business because people are so enthused about what they do that there's more and more building yeah. I mean, it comes back to, you know, very traditional HR sense terms. If we've got an engaged team, if we've got a motivated team, we know that innovation goes up. We know yeah. that productivity goes up and we know that profitability goes up. So all these things are strategies really to create an environment where our team can be engaged and motivated. Doesn't matter what their uh, particular neurodiversity status is. Um, it's creating that environment. And it's it's in many ways not dissimilar to catering for our introverts and our extroverts on our team yeah. because we know that if we throw our introverts into a meeting and say, hey, stand up and tell us about this, they're going to freak out and they're going to hate it and not do well. Conversely, if we don't ask our extroverts to do that, they're going to be throwing tantrums. So, you know, just the same as we understand those personalities, it's very similar in just understanding how to apply 
every workplace to our neurodivergent team members. And I would uh, hazard a guess that if, as we're listening to this conversation, we're all identifying people that we work with now or have worked with in the past or our clients or even family members who possibly are neurodivergent. And um, I, I, I am sure it, it's far more prevalent than what the stats inform us, actually, which is really fascinating. Um, so to circle back on the team side of things, we need to create environments where there's a culture of trust and a culture of transparency. Um, and, you know, workplace culture is something probably you and I could talk about till the end of the earth because <laughs> it's just such an important uh, topic. But really, culture comes down to understanding your values and the behaviours that you participate in and exhibit in the workplace. That yes. is simple as that culture is not some mystical creature it is as simple as what's important to us as a business and as individuals and what are the behaviors that we participate in day to day and what do we tolerate and what do we not tolerate mm. so we're creating an environment where the culture is we are trusting of each other we are supportive of each other and that we are genuinely interested in listening and understanding and creating environments where people can work in a way that they work best. Yes, mm. absolutely. Yeah, and I think if you're listening and you're a team member and you're thinking, mm, you know, how am I going to tackle this, I think lean to how you work best. I mean, I know for me, and, and I don't have a diagnosis of neurodivergence or anything like that, but some years ago I identified my patterns of work and when I do and don't work best. So I will work at 5, 5.30 in the morning, no problems, but about 10 a.m., my brain stops functioning for a little while and I do generally about that time take a walk, take a break, move away from the computer and come back. But if you ask me to do anything detailed at 8.30 at night, you can forget it. <laughs> There's no way. <laughs> but I know other people that do their best work in the evening. Yes. Um, so it is just about that self-awareness and I think you know, for me, I, I definitely fought that for a number of years and thought, oh, no, I have to work, be in the office at 8.30 and I have to work solidly till 6. But that's not when I work best. It's not how I work best. Yeah. And that's, I, I encourage, and when we've got these these work environments that are the psychologically safe, um, we we make a, a my bio so people talk or put on a piece of paper or a video, whatever they want to share with their team members, this is how I work best. And it's as much or as little information as you want, but it's it's an introduction for new employees coming on board. They can have a look and see who they're coming to work with. Um, it starts that open communication. Um, and uh, you know, I worked with a, a great autistic guy who told me he did not want me to ever come and stand behind him at the computer. Um, and it was great. Just, yeah, you know, just knowing. You just know because it was really, it really put him off doing his work. Um, so I, I, I find any, the more that we are happy to share with people and the more we um, make it, you know, open-minded, non-judgmental spaces, the more people are going to show up as themselves and you're going to have, um, you're going to have people who are sticking around, who are loyal, who who sing the praises of your business, um, you know, all of those those uh, indices that we want to see, that's yeah. going to be happening. I love that idea of the bio. And I think actually when we went into to lockdowns and remote work, we kind of did a lot of that. Like that's what we were encouraging our clients to do was to, you know, have times where your staff let them know that 
I'm doing homeschooling now or I'm, you know, yeah. I'm available here so that people didn't feel like they had to be available 24-7. But we kind of forgot it all. And I think we could take that's definitely a great idea for everyone to have that kind of little this is how I work best and it's simple stuff, isn't it? It is. And that's the thing. A lot of things, when I first started in neurodiversity consulting or advocacy, people were saying, oh, why would people spend money on, on getting you in the door, you know, that was that was quite, you know, a few years ago when um, and and it was kind of, well, what people don't realise is it's actually not a big investment. Mm. It's, it's a mindset shift. Yes. It's a, um, a management style shift for some people or for mm-hmm. others it's, it's fine-tuning what's already innate for them in terms of their management style. Um, it's, it's not what people forget is getting this right up front is so much such a better investment yes. than firefighting at the end and the cost that can come there. Um, so That's the I, same with anything to do with our people. Get it right up front and you won't spend as much money fixing it at the end. Exactly, yeah. So so neurodiversity is just the tip of the iceberg in terms of we, we look after every employee and their unique needs Mm-hmm. And then that funnels down for all intersectionalities, whatever diversity is within your business, gender, age, race, religion, it all comes down to knowing the person as an, as an individual. Mm. Yeah, I love that. That's a great note to finish on. Nikki, thank you so much for joining me. This has been an awesome conversation um, and it's been great to have you. Now, if people want to reach out to you, find out about what you do, work with you, what's the best way for them to reach you? Um, probably the best way is to send me an email. It's mm-hmm. Nikki, and you can see how to spell my name, Nikki at Audir, A-U-D-I-R, dot com dot A-U. Fabulous. Excellent. So if you would like support with this in your workplace, get in touch with Nikki. She does excellent, um, amazing work with teams around this space, um, and it's been a great conversation. Thank you so much for joining me today, Nikki. Thank you very much for having me. I've loved it. Amazing, amazing, amazing. I just find all of this so fascinating. And I, like I shared last week, I feel like this is a time where we are seeing more understanding, more knowledge of, certainly a higher diagnosis rate around all of the things that fall under the very broad umbrella of neurodivergence. And if we're not tapping into that as leaders and managers, we're leaving good talent on the table or good talent going to waste, which seems crazy in today's market where finding good people is just so difficult. If all it takes is getting an understanding and tweaking our approach in order to um, not only bring these people into our business, but lead and manage and leverage them in the right way, it just seems like such a simple thing we could be doing. So I've really enjoyed the conversation with Nikki. I hope you have as well. If you want to reach out to her directly, she does work with organizations who uh, either have neurodivergent team members or possibly, uh, I know she does a lot of work with leaders who are neurodivergent as well. Um, I'll put all of her details in today's show notes for you. You can reach her at her website, which is audir, A-U-D-I-R.com.au. Nikki Richmond on LinkedIn, N-I-C-C-I, but all the links will be in today's show notes for you. 
And as always, if you have follow-up questions or you would like to start a conversation about neurodivergence in the workplace, join us in our Facebook group, HR Support for Australian Businesses. If you search that in Facebook groups, you'll find us or the link to directly join is in today's show notes as well. Thanks so much for joining me. I really hope you've enjoyed this discussion and I can't wait to talk to you next week on the People Powered Business Podcast. Take care. 